0: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast.
1: Well, there is only one person associated with football officiating that's actually popular with fans, and he is coming up right now on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Hi, Merrick Goldhammer. He is the king of the XFL, Ian Fitzsimmons. <laughs> we are presented by Progressive Insurance. And Ian, we got to go out to the hotline. He is the VP of rules and officiating for the XFL. He was also the VP of officiating for the National Football League for a number of years. The great Dean Blandino joins us now on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And Dean, let's start with this. The one rule that you're most excited about after two weeks of the XFL is which
2: one? You know, I'm I'm really excited that our coaches they're using their one challenge during the game. We've had we had five challenges last week alone, and Heinz uh, Ward with the uh, with the Brahmas actually won a challenge on a defensive pass interference call that we picked up, and so I'm excited about that that they're using it, and uh, we've had we've had really good positive feedback from everyone. So that that's a rule that uh, I think uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. The yeah, how it plays out. No.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on, on that one coach's challenge. I, I think that's something also that the NFL should consider. So you, you've been a part of both, and you've heard Bill Belichick talk about every play should be reviewable, which you do, but you can challenge anything, a hold, whatever, with that one challenge. So if you can, take your experience of the XFL through two weeks and all your intimate knowledge of the National Football League. Is that something you truly believe the NFL or even big boy college football would consider?
2: Uh, yeah, I think they would consider it. I think the, the key is the standard that you apply to make decisions. You you can't have – because the way replay was designed, it had to be a very high standard to change something. It had to be obvious. It had to be – the original language was indisputable that we used. So if you apply that standard, then we end up where we were in 2019 with the NFL reviewing past interference – in almost not especially the first half of the season it felt like nothing got changed and the coaches got set up with it and the rule went away after a year so I think you have to take an approach of re the play if it's a foul that you would grade your officials correctly for calling then it's going to stand if it's a foul that you would say hey that's not what we want that's not the, you know we would downgrade that official then you pick up the flag and I think that that's the key to, uh, to implementing it, whether it's college football or the NFL, is the standard you use to make decisions. Dean Blandino is the XFL Vice
1: President of Officiating and Rules Innovation. Joins us now, Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio, Aaron Goldhammer, Ian Fitzsimmons in for the guys. Dean, if the NFL invited you into the competition committee at the owners' meetings and said, recommend one XFL rule to come into the NFL starting this year, which rule do you think is most appropriate?
2: Well, I think the the challenge would be one, but I think if we if we went away from replay and looked at some of our other, I really I like I like the XFL kickoff. It may be a, a drastic change for the NFL, and, and with the NFL, you don't, you know, it took I don't know how many years for them to add the two point try, the two point conversion. It took a bunch of years to move the the, the, the extra point kick back to the fifteen. I like the XFL kickoff. I think we've had. I three kicks in the first two weeks not not get returned and that was because they didn't make the 20 yard line so we're getting returns we're getting good field position and i would i would definitely want the nfl especially depending on the injury data because over over time in the history of the nfl the kick return has been a a play that has a higher rate of injury from year to year depending on you know what year it is and I think that's something where we're not seeing the high-speed collisions in the XFL kickoff that you would see in other, in other whether it's college or NFL. So I would say um, for them to definitely take a look at that.
0: Why in the ever-loving you-know-what does it take you a minimal amount of time to complete the replay process compared to college, or college football or the National Football League?
2: We, yeah, you know, we were actually talking about that. And, and I think I've been doing it a long time, and I just – and we, we do teach this, whether it's college replay officials, NFL replay officials. Sometimes we get caught up in looking at an angle four, five, six different times. That angle isn't going to change. It's not – it's like I tell my kids every time they go look in the refrigerator, hey, it's not, it's not changing what's in the refrigerator. Stop going and looking. And that's that's <laughs> what we end up, you, you know, that's what we end up doing sometimes with is We're so afraid to make a mistake. And my approach has always been, I'm going to look at the angle. If it doesn't jump out, we're going to move on. And I'll right. look and see all, all the aspects. But, I mean, we had a play in the game um, Thursday night with St. Louis and Seattle where it was ruled a muffed punt, moved it, ruled that the returner touched the punt and the, and the kicking team were covered. I looked at it. I knew right away that I could look at these angles for 10 minutes and still not tell. So you've got to have a cutoff and say, hey, we just don't have the evidence. It's too close and move on. I think that's something college NFL just needs to continue to work on.
1: Yeah. I, from a fan's perspective, I want replay to fix egregious things. Okay. I don't want to be zooming in on blades of grass and fingertips in basketball to see who the ball was off of last. I feel like it's a misappropriation of the technology. Like, I'm fine if something is borderline with just going with the call on the field. Replay is in existence so that brutal, obvious mistakes in my opinion, get fixed and overturned. Dean Blandino is our guest, XFL Vice President of Officiating and Rules Innovation. How seriously, Dean, do you think the NFL is going to consider the fourth and 15 onside kick, which really has brought, I think, a lot of excitement and some of the best highlights to the XFL so far?
2: Yeah, I think they're definitely going to consider I know I've talked to some club people Um, they're in Indianapolis this week with the competition committee in conjunction with the combine. They're going to have some initial meetings. I think there's some NFL clubs that are going to propose the fourth and 15. It's been on, on the table before. And I think especially what you saw happen in our week one game with St. Louis and being able to get that fourth and 15, they're down 12 points with a minute plus left to go. And they end up winning the game because they convert that fourth and fifteen. I think we're going to see that discussed in the NFL and I think there's going to be a proposal. Now, will it get passed? I don't know, but I think we're going to see something get, get, you know, really discussed with the NFL for, for next season. I,
0: I hope it does. I think it's outstanding. And, and the last one from me, Dean, and thank you for your time here on ESPN radio, the transparency in your replay booth. I think that goes a long way to shutting up a lot of conspiracy theorists that believe the in a grassy knoll theory. Do you believe that, either college football or the nfl will also have the transparency that you have brought in with the xfl
2: i think they definitely should look at it i don't know if they're going to have the full transparency that we have i think there's different challenges the nfl you've got more than one game going on typically an early window on sunday whatever it may be but i do think the transparency like we said it really helps Get away from that conspiracy theory. Get away from thinking that there's something nefarious going on. It's just, I look. I may I'm not perfect and I may make a mistake, but you're gonna see it and you're gonna understand why. And you may disagree, but there's nothing. You know, there's nothing other than you know people just trying to work through a process, look at the angles, and I think people get a better. They just they just have a better feel for it when they can actually see and hear versus just trying to speculate after the referee makes an announcement. Last thing for Dean Blandino,
1: um, as far as the NFL goes, do you think the tush push, the Eagles quarterback <laughs> sneak play, how, how do you think that should be legislated? Should it be in the game or out? How do you think it's going to go? I think I think that's
2: going to be discussed. I, I think it's an easy fix on the QB sneak. I think that it's not like we have to invent a new rule. That was the rule prior to mid-2000s, 2005, 2006, the language came out you weren't you were never able to push the ball carrier. I think we've seen the Eagles perfected it and that's smart and that's good for them. But I think that play, you just wonder what comes next. Does it become a safety issue things like that? So I think the competition committee is going to look at that and uh and consider making that change. And like I said, it's not like you have to create a new rule that's never been in, never been in the in the book before. This is just going back to the old rule and bringing it back. So I think that'll be You know, now, do they have the the 24 votes they need to pass something like that? I'm not sure, but I know that'll go up for a vote this year. Dean, great stuff.
1: Really appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you soon. You got it, guys. Take care. That's Dean Blandino, XFL Vice President of Officiating and Rules Innovation. Of course, you also see him talking a lot about the NFL stuff during the NFL season. You like this
0: 4th and 15 onside kick. I I I like (laughs) that one. The access needs to change in college and pro football. Yeah. Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is ahead of the NFL in this particular <sighs> aspect. Let that sink in. Uh, I mean, so, but, but they're the changing a lot change. of things yeah. from Wills. Go for yeah. three. I like that one. Fourth yeah. and 15. Needs to happen. It uh, I makes like, the game that much more
1: exciting. The, the fourth and 15, like I said, I'm cool with, especially if you only allow it once a game. The going for three feels like rock and jock football on MTV, <laughs> It's, what it's about not gonna going to happen
0: very often. That's the thing. You rarely see it unless it's a June Jones coordinated offense that Seattle has. You rarely see teams going for three unless it they're down by eighteen down in the fourth yeah. quarter.
1: Yeah, or, they're, or or obviously if they're down yeah. nine. All right, we're going to talk more about a quarterback, a couple of controversial quarterbacks here in just a second. But first, Ian, you got a really important message you want to share with everybody. Go ahead.
0: Yes, sir. You can help people in areas affected by the Turkey earthquake, including Turkey and Syria. Please visit RedCross.org slash ESPN. That's RedCross.org slash ESPN to help the Red Cross respond. Your donation enables the Red Cross to respond to and help people recover from this disaster. and will provide humanitarian relief such as food, water, hygiene supplies, shelter, and medical care. Check it out and make your donation at RedCross.org slash ESPN.
1: Chanty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He is Ian Fitzsimmons. You know, a lot of people a year ago were saying they thought Mac Jones was one of the hottest, best young quarterbacks in the NFL. But the perception about him has changed. Is that fair? Devin McCourty, former Patriot Safety, was on Good Morning Football on NFL Network and had a take on his quarterback. Take a listen.
2: It's just so much movement, so much change. It's only your second year, but I think it speaks volumes. He's a captain in that locker room and only a second year and really kind of was a captain the year before as a rookie leading those guys. So I'm excited for Mac. I think sky's the limit. I think he's the future of New England. Any doubts, I think you're wrong. If you don't think that, I think he's a future. He's in that building right now doing different things, uh, working with guys, talking to guys.
1: Ian, of all the problems with the Patriots' offense, I think I could come up with about five or six on a list before I got to Mac Jones.
0: Man, you and I really agree on things, but we are in step on this one. One million percent with you, man. You're, I think you're a football fool if you think Mac Jones was to blame for what happened in New England last year. I mean, you, you're, Your offensive coordinator was a defensive coordinator. The man calling plays had never done it before on the believe, offensive side of the ball. You know,
1: if this wasn't Belichick, Ian, We would be skewering this
0: all off-season long. Ag, I said this before the season began, and I'm still saying it now: that Mac Jones was going to take the blame for the inefficiency you're about to see from New England offensively. Yeah, Yeah. and he did, and it should have been with, and the blame should have fallen on the feet of Bill Belichick. Yep, and you know. I still can't get over it. like Joe Judge and Matty P were the dudes who were in charge of the offense, special I don't teams, want Matt and As my
1: defensive coordinator, um, let
0: alone him being my offensive coordinator, that's where the blame should have fallen, and it didn't. A lot of it still went on Mac Jones. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you right now, and I mean this, there is not a bone in my big bloated body that does not feel that Bill O'Brien going back to New England, sure, coming over from Alabama as the OC, yeah. Who's worked with Mac Jones, uh, you know, for for a brief stint? He is going to get that thing righted and immediately. Uh, pr- watch the difference with Ob calling plays and actually having a a system and running a certain set in the first quarter to set you up with the same look, but a completely different, you know, a different outcome in the third quarter. That yeah. is going to happen. So I think Mac Jones I, I, I is going to look more like Bama Mac than what we saw last year.
1: Ian, I don't disagree. I, I would just add to this, too. I think quarterbacks so often are victims or beneficiaries of the players around them. You know, there are some guys like Patrick Mahomes who could take Marquez, Valdez, Scanling. And I mean, Mahomes is on a total another level. No one's right. saying Mac Jones right. is going to be there. So Mac Jones is the kind of guy, yeah, he needs a pretty good offensive line around him. Like, I'm not sure I would ever pay him $40 million a year, like put him on that level. But if you support him properly, I think you can absolutely win with him. I think he proved that his rookie year, but he needs bona fide wide receivers. He needs a little bit more investment in the system around him in order to even have a chance. Keep in mind. With that horrible offense and that terrible plan, the Patriots were also win and in the last week of the season to make the playoffs.
0: Let that sink in, man. And here, you talk about weapons? If I'm New England and yep. they got a boatload of cap space, what are they, 36 million under the cap? Yeah, yep. Man, I am making numerous phone calls to Nuke Hopkins. I mean, word is that he wanted out in Arizona at the trade deadline, midseason. Yeah. They want he him wants out, too. out, He wants out so badly. Sure. Man, if I'm New England, I'm making a very hard run at New Copkins, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver. Do you think Mac and Belichick, like,
1: I think it matters a lot to Bill to, to try to equal what Tom did and to win a Super Bowl without Tom. Do you think Mac Jones is that guy that yep. he could, in the AFC to get by Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Watson, I Lamar Jackson. I, I
0: I think he's got it in him. Yeah, I do. Um and I'm in the minority. As you just mentioned, with that pathetic scheme that they came up with? Yeah. They were still I don't in,
1: I don't disagree I, with you there. I just think it's, it's a big ask for him to go through a big that quarterback any.
0: gauntlet. Yeah. I think it's a yeah. big ask for Josh Allen to overcome Burrow and Mahomes, and it's a big ask for Burrow to overcome Allen and Mahomes and you can go all the way around. I mean, the AFC and we're we're not even talking about Justin Herbert, right? right. Uh on the West Coast. So right. I don't care who you are. It's it's a daunting task. But Mac Jones can play. Remember, Mac Jones broke Joe Burrow's single season passing record for completion percentage in the SEC, the the year after Burrow left. Right. The dude can sling it, man. He's deadly yeah. accurate. Yeah. And getting Bill O'Brien in there, I'm telling you, is going to be That may be the biggest hire in the NFL offseason is OB going back to New England. I'll say it this
1: way. You could do a lot worse than Mac Jones, and there are a lot of teams in the NFL that are are doing a lot worse worse than (laughs) Mac Jones. Canty and Carlin, I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Ian Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio. Does Dak Prescott get the appropriate level of support, in your opinion, similar to the conversation we just had about Mac?
0: Well, at least they try. You know, I mean, they do have a legit... Offensive coordinator, uh, and they did in Kellen Moore, who did was not out of work very long, not even 24 hours before the Chargers scooped him up, and now Mike McCarthy's going to call plays. So at least he has people that have called plays before, calling plays on the offensive side of the ball. And Stephen Jones said today, yeah, we we believe in Dak. We believe we can win a Super Bowl with Dak. Well, what do you expect the Jones family to say, or anybody in the Cowboys organization? No, we don't. We just paid the dude north of 40 million dollars a year. Yeah. But we don't believe we can get to, you know, the, the Super Bowl with him? No, that's that's not what they're going to say. And they do believe it, man. I mean, I, I covered that team for a lot of years, and I, I'm a Dak Prescott guy. I don't know what happened with all the INTs last year. Yeah. This is a man in Mississippi State in his first half a decade in the NFL, right, his first four or five years, never turned the ball over. And last right. year – yeah. I don't know what happened Aaron. and I can't explain he,
1: that. He felt maybe he felt some pressure, you know. Like there was so much talk when Cooper Rush was winning, you know, that everybody was like, "Oh, maybe we don't need a forty million dollar a year quarterback to win with this Cowboys." Called defense. a different
0: game plan, right? They, they, it, it was they ran it, the ball more. It wasn't also their schedule the
1: was their schedule was soft during that section of the season. There were a lot of reasons why they were able to win those games. I just think Dallas. <laughs> has done something that's dangerous. They have paid a quarterback who's pretty good, like he's great. And when you do that, and it's not Patrick Mahomes, and it's not Joe Burrow, then everybody is going to be looking at him when you have a chance to drive down the field at the end of a big playoff game on the road, and you don't get it done.
0: But you, you know? have to. You have to pay that guy. Because if you, if you don't pay a guy like Dak Prescott, who's playing quarterback for you? Uh, I mean, if you ain't rather, got one, you don't have a shot. Would, would you rather
1: have Dak Prescott or Bryce Young for the next five years?
0: I'm going with Dak because I, I'm I, I believe I believe in both those dudes, you know. But I've seen Dak excel, and yeah, excel at this level. You yeah. got to cut down on the picks, and I'll tell you this: yeah, they need another wide receiver, and yeah. the biggest asset that Dak can have is a new running back. I don't know what's going to happen with Tony Pollard coming off the injury. Yeah. They need Somebody's to get going to come Zeke's in and money whip him. Zeke's done. Yeah. If B. Yeah. John Robinson, Texas Longhorn, mm. falls to them late in the first round, I am sprinting to the podium and turning that card in because B. John Robinson is a difference maker and is going to help a team like Dallas or even a team like Detroit. B. John Robinson is a bad man. And I'm telling you, he's going to help an NFL team. Number one, if the Cowboys can get him, it's the biggest asset Dak can yeah. have. Well, listen, I,
1: I if I got B. John Robinson on the Cowboys, one thing I would make sure never to do is line him up at center.
0: <laughs> Still can't get over that uh, Rudy Poo thing yeah. that they tried to run. The Whatever that, that was, I would take that and throw worst it right lateral, out the window. Worst laterals design
1: ever. Up Next. Spring training looks very different this year, and Ian and I really like it. We'll explain why. Canty and Carlin is continuing on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
2: and Carlin the podcast
1: look there are a lot of new rules in baseball but don't start poking at the pitch clock already Ian and I love it you got to keep it Canty and Carlin ESPN radio ESPN app I'm Aaron Goldhammer he is Ian Fitzsimmons Ian, and I was sick of the three and a half hour regular season baseball game there were 162 of them it felt like baseball was becoming less entertainment and more torture and I like The way the pitch clock has sped things up. I watched a spring training baseball game in two hours and 19 minutes yesterday. Come on with it. That is right in my wheelhouse. Why is soccer so popular? Why is the NCAA tournament so popular? It's a new age. It's a new generation. You got to be able to get things done quickly. And two hours and 19 minutes for a baseball game. To me, that's
0: not bad news. It's good news. I am so sick of four-hour college football games. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's not just baseball that was dealing with this. It, it's a lot of sports, I and mean, that's something the XFL has got figured out, man. We're, we're we're having we're having football games finish in two hours and forty minutes, it, you know, and to have spring training so far, the average game is down twenty three minutes in game time. <laughs> I mean, come Think on. Think of coach. what we
1: can all do with an extra <laughs> 23 minutes of life.
0: I have not been this interested in spring training in quite, probably since I was covering the Texas Rangers. Yeah. 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 And you, you've gotten rid of the stupid shift, which I hated. Speaking of the Rangers and spring training, I, I stood up and applauded Prince Fielder at a spring training game because he slapped, bunted one down the left, the third base side, right? Went into the left, <laughs> shadow left. Because that stupid shift was on, he looked over the dugout, and went kind of shrugged his shoulders, like they gave me first base. Right, right. This and is ten years ago. We've been dealing with this ever since, and so the shift is gone. The pitch clock, I am a big fan of because it does speed the game up. So, right.
1: And, and can we stop? We hit. We heard Tim Kirch in there in the in the rejoin, who is uh, as old school as baseball can get. Our colleague here at ESPN. But let's not start acting like we decided the World Series on a pitch clock violation. It was a spring training game involving the Red They'll Sox. get used to it. Yes. Everybody wanted, you know, that game to end anyway. It's baseball in February. So let's not start acting like we decided a championship. But by the time we get to October I think everybody will understand these rules and understand why they're in place and have a much better feel for the rhythm of this. Here's what I think is interesting.
0: Hold on. Let me stop you. By October, they'll have yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll have a rhythm by opening day. Right. I, I, I mean,
1: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And no, no one is going to decide a playoff game based on a pitch no. clock violation. That's not going to happen. Baseball will make sure it doesn't go that way. Now, I thought this was going to put more stress and pressure on pitchers. Get back on the rubber get set, throw your next pitch, fewer mound visits, et cetera. But actually, it's kind of a hitter's clock, or so explains Max Scherzer, one of the best pitchers in the game for the Mets, who was talking about how this is impacting things for him.
2: Take a listen. I mean, we've known this has been coming for a while, so kind of knew what this was going to look like and knew, you know, seeing how, how this is going to be implemented and really the power that the pitcher has now. I mean, I can completely dictate pace. Um, I mean, the rule change of the hitter only having one time out is a, <laughs> changes the complete dynamic of the, you know, of the hitter and pitcher uh, you know, dynamic. So, um, yeah, I love it.
1: It's Max Scherzer of the Mets, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Aaron Goldhammer, Ian Fitzsimmons. You know, I didn't think about it until I heard Max Scherzer say it, but so much of this dead time, Ian, was step out of the box, adjust your cup, Grab your crotch, swing the bat around. You know, I mean. Tie the gloves. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Now, get back in there. Another pitch is coming. If you don't get back in the box, it's either going to be called a strike, which is what happened in this spring training game with the Red Sox the other day. Or, you know, uh, you're not going to be ready. You know, (laughs) the pitcher is just going to dictate that the game is going to continue going, whether you like it or not.
0: Sometimes you need to embrace change. Change happens in in every walk of life. I mean, even in your house, right? Like, I'm I'm now – I have two teenage daughters. Well, guess what? We had to change because when they were 10 and 12, we, 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 you know, we talked to them in one way and we viewed them in one way. Now, I mean, they're 17 and and about to be 15. Right. It's different. It changes. You know, so embrace the change here in Major League Baseball. No more shift. The pitch clock is going to be awesome. I love what Scherzer said there that now – that cat and mouse mental game between pitcher and hitter, it yeah. goes to a whole nother level because a, a hitter can only call one timeout during a single A B. Right. Now like Scherzer went on in more detail in that in his presser, he said, Once he takes that first time out, now nah, I got him. Because now <laughs> I might throw it in eight seconds. I might right. wait and have him become impatient because if I've right. got a runner on, I've got twenty seconds to throw that next pitch. Right. So and, the, the, and then the, Aaron Judge. There, there are a AG. lot of things changing at the at once. Explain what Aaron Judge
1: said because I, I This is so
0: good. Yeah. Because he went the other way. Like yeah. he's just talking about how this is an advantage for pitchers over hitters. Uh-huh. Aaron Judge, Slugger Extraordinaire, is going, nah, this is an advantage for hitters over pitchers, because if they're a little gassed, a little fatigued, they don't have as much time to go and hit the rosin bag, walk around the mound and come back up and kind of catch their breath. They don't have that much time anymore. So Aaron Judge views it as an advantage for hitters. Scherzer is viewing it as an advantage for pitchers. This is change that I embrace. I'm all about it. Shorter games. The gamesmanship between the ears is going to be absolutely awesome. That's right.
1: The strategy. So I, I talked to somebody in the game earlier today who explained, rather than just taking a regular intentional walk, where now they just send the guy to first base, you don't throw the four pitches anymore. They think that a pitcher who is in need of a rest will take the four balls as pitch clock violations, as four consecutive pitch <laughs> clock violations. You see what I'm saying? To get a little, level. So yeah. there, are, there are kind of some loopholes that are going to appear in these rules that will be interesting to figure out. I do think baseball is doing a lot all at once. Like, there's the pitch clock. There's bigger bases. There's you can only throw to first so many times in an at bat like there is going to be a lot going on. The game is going to feel new. I, I looked this up because I think it's informative. How long do you think, think it took to play the game five to four Giants beat the Dodgers? The shot heard round the world. What is generally considered one of the greatest baseball games of all time? Nineteen fifty one. If there was television, it was rudimentary television, but it was certainly a time where baseball was just running everything. It was one of the best years ever for the game. How long do you think it took to play?
0: Two hours and twenty one minutes. Two hours twenty eight minutes. Yeah.
1: That is the sweet spot for a baseball yep. game. Two and a half hours. You want you want under three hours. You want that two hours thirty minutes. If it's a seven o'clock first pitch, you want to be home by ten fifteen. Not sitting in the upper deck freezing your butt off at 1015. I think that's good for everybody. Canty and Carlin presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you're gonna love, go to progressive.com slash careers. That is progressive.com slash careers. Up next, we go. Three and out on ESPN radio.
2: Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming. FX's shogun. My master
3: asks, what do you seek here?
2: To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Had come. FX's Shogun now streaming on Hulu. Canty and
0: Carlin, the podcast.
1: Canty and Carlin's on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Ian Fitzsimmons, and it is time for us to play a little three and out. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and we start with Joey Votto's bold prediction for the 2023 MLB season. Check this out. MLB asked for bold predictions on Instagram. Red's first baseman Joey Votto shared his, quote, extraterrestrials arrive on Earth April 15th. The (laughs) 12-and-2 Reds and the rest of the planet learn from, communicate with, and befriend the alien friends. The process takes five months. Play resumes in October. The Reds sweep the playoffs. They're world champs. Side note, if the aliens ask if I would like to accompany them on their ship back to their planet, I oblige, and I am never to be seen again.
0: (laughs) It's absolutely spectacular on so many levels. I mean Joey Votto, one of my favorite players to watch, man, and just that 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 one moment he had with the, with little fan when they did the gritty last year. Remember that? Uh, I, uh, I, I they were playing in a I West do. Coast game. I think maybe maybe the Padres. Right. He's just a great person, and to come up, with – give me a bold prediction. Okay. Great. Here's here's your damn bold prediction, right? We're gonna go aliens. E. T. Lands, man. I, not I, I, I hate to tell Vado this.
1: The least likely piece of his prediction, it's not the aliens, it's not twelve flavors, and two. It's it's the red starting <laughs> twelve and two. It's actually... But Kirk street right now
0: is going Damn it
1: Gold is right. not wrong. But you're right.
0: Because <laughs> he loves his red legs. Number two on three and out has
1: to do with boxing. Tommy Fury finally handed Jake Paul his first loss. Jake Paul's unbeaten streak in boxing has come to an end. Tommy Fury beat him, the YouTube, YouTuber turned prize fighter. Split decision in a close bout Sunday in Saudi Arabia. The bout has been put together Twice before, but it was canceled both times. The two are supposed to fight December of 2021 and again in August of 22. But Fury had an injury and health issues the first time. Travel woes the second time. The two went hard at each other in interviews on social media over the last couple of years. Heading into the grudge match, Paul has a rematch clause in his contract. He initiated it. He said he's going to use it. He said he thought he won the fight. I, I don't know about that. Uh, He didn't agree with the scores. What I heard about this. Right. I know what I heard about this, Ian, is this was the first time that uh, Jake Paul fought somebody who didn't take a dive. So he lost.
0: Not only that, but the first time he fought somebody that didn't need to wear depends in the ring. I mean, you know, what's, what's Tommy Fury, younger brother of Tyson Fury, right? 23. He was eight. No coming into this bout. I don't know. I don't know who, he fought or whether they were credible fighters to get to eight. No, but I know this, he was the best guy that Jake Paul has fought so far and For Jake sure. Paul lost. And I enjoyed For the sure. fact that Jake Paul and that, and his sure. ego, that if we all pushed, try okay. and get his head through a door, right. we couldn't get, we would not be able to do it. So good Jake job. Out of Tommy Paul, Jake
1: Paul is a reality star. He's yep. not really an athlete. He's it's hard to take him seriously. And I'm sure he would want to come fight me. If he heard me saying this, but I, I wouldn't tank the fight for him, so I don't know that he would actually. I,
0: I'll tell you, I'm going to give Jake Paul some credit, though. This dude has made millions. He has. Millions he has. He has. fighting nobody. or has I have trouble
1: taking his fights until last night seriously, and all of a sudden he comes on ESPN+, Plus and he's got to fight a real fighter, and he goes down. I, I guess people who bought it said it was worth it. It was compelling. So maybe next time around, I'll consider ponying up for it on ESPN Plus. Number three on three and out, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's and Fitzsimmons. Has to do with baseball, the MLB, Major League Baseball, reviewing an exchange between the manager of the call uh, of the Cardinals, excuse me, not the callers, the Cardinals, uh, and a, an umpire named CB Buckner. The umpire just declined to shake the manager's hand before an exhibition game Saturday, according to Marmol, and Major League Baseball is looking into the exchange. He was upset by Buckner's response. Quote, I don't think he's good at his job, and it shows his lack of class as a man, Marmol said after the game. Buckner, Marmol had a confrontation during the 2022 season in August after a disputed strike call. Cardinals third baseman Nolan Arenado was involved. Buckner ejected Marmol, who emerged to argue the two yelled at each other Marmol appeared to tell buckner at the time that his sport was done and buckner yelled back at Marmol, relatively new to his position as st louis manager that he had just gotten to the big leagues i gotta tell you the ego on some of the umpires in baseball it's ridiculous
0: is bigger than jake paul i all <laughs> well done oliver just goes out lineup card goes to shake his hand bygones bygones this is august of last year And C.B. Buckner is still holding a grudge? No, man. That, no. No. And Rob Manfred and MLB, they've got to suspend Buckner, in my opinion, because that that is pathetic. That is cowardly. That is chicken. You know what? It is ridiculous to still be holding a grudge for something that happened in August of last year. Show some class. Look, and put it Ameri- bygones are bygones,
1: right? Ian, America can't agree, agree on anything. We can't agree on anything as Americans, except for that Angel Hernandez deserves to be fired worst. from his He's job. That,
0: that
1: was, is universally accepted.
0: Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from three to seven Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.